are listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth be heard. Amen. We are in the season of Christmas. And yet for the first several centuries, Christmas really wasn't a thing. Easter was the main event in the church's calendar. Jesus' birth, though recorded in scripture, was not really celebrated. Scripture does not mention a specific date for Jesus' birth, a fact that Puritans later pointed out to deny the legitimacy of any such Christmas celebration. All of this changed somewhere around the fourth century, some suggesting it was Pope uh, Julius I in the year 350, or maybe it was someone else. Whatever happened, what came to happen, as a matter of fact, tradition, and historical record, was how the church chose December the 25th to adopt and absorb traditions of the pagan Saturnalia festival, particularly among peoples and locales where the days grow oh so short with less and less daylight during the month of December. Christmas connected with a shared angst, a shared hope, and a shared yearning longing for the return of light. That was Christmas then, and this is Christmas now. It still does. And within current practices remains strong attachment between Christmas and the winter solstice. The observations, the rituals, even the narratives overlap in form and dialogue with each other. Poet and uh, liturgist Jan Richardson offers the following blessing for the longest night, and she writes, all through these months, as the shadows have lengthened, this blessing has been gathering itself, making ready, preparing for this night. It is practiced walking in the dark, traveling with its eyes closed, feeling its way by memory, by touch, by the pull of the moon, even as it wanes. So believe me when I tell you this blessing will reach you, even if you do not have not light enough to read it. It will find you, even though you cannot see its coming. You will know the moment of its arriving by your release of the breath you've held so long, a loosening of the, of the clenching of your hands, of the clutch around your heart, a thinning of the darkness that has drawn itself around you. This blessing does not mean to take the night away, but it knows its hidden roads, knows the resting spots along the path, knows what it means to travel in the company of a friend. 
So when this blessing comes, take its hand. Get up. Set out on the road you cannot see. This is a night when you can trust that any direction you go, you will be walking toward the dawn. That blessing for the longest night, the winter solstice, overlaps so well with the continuation of the birth narrative, the story of Jesus' birth. We hear how the angels had left them and gone into heaven. The shepherds talk amongst themselves. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. Now, regardless of the historical accuracy of the Luke narrative, the overlapping of the story of Jesus' birth with the winter solstice offers a way of deepening our understanding. The shadows lengthening, you can feel the shadows lengthening, both in the blessing of the longest night and in that starry night that the shepherds received, the good news, the glad tidings of great joy. We can feel the long hours walking in the dark, traveling with our eyes closed or vision otherwise obscured, feeling our way by memory, by touch, or by the pull of the moon, even as it wanes. It adds interesting depth to ponder the response of the shepherds. When they were told, fear not, they were very much in fear. And that continued, even as they talked among themselves. And contrary to the assumption passed down through the centuries, the shepherds were probably not a bunch of guys passing around the proverbial bottle, watching the sheep by night, but more likely the shepherds were women, families, collectives, all tasked with keeping the sheep safe. Faithful guardians who needed to be both crafty and courageous, sensible and sensitive, balanced and bold. And like many before and like many after, the waiting for the shepherd says the waiting for the longest night was and is hard. Glad tidings of great joy never come soon enough. And all too often are experienced as mirages of promise that disappear even faster than the flash of angels' wings. Would this experience likewise dissipate? Would it hang around like hoarfrost only to melt in the light of day? Or would it somehow take hold? The shepherds wondered. We wonder as we journey through the longest night. Could this indeed be the night when we can trust that any direction we travel means walking toward 
the dawn. I imagine a fair bit of shepherd kerfuffle, more than a bit of back and forth debate before they arrived at the shepherdly consensus and resolved to go to Bethlehem. Should they go? Should they stay? Had they just imagined it all? Who would believe them? What would meet them there? Luke, for whatever reason, glosses over that or suggests that the decision was made a whole lot quicker than I suspect it was. Tentativeness that is part of winter solstice helps us appreciate the process as rather more involved, more circuitous, maybe even hesitant. Responding to the shepherd's visit in the panoramic expanse of new parent emotions and experiences, Mary, we are told, treasured all the words and pondered them in her heart. Maybe along the lines of the poster that I recall noticing 27 years ago this week at Peter Rose Civic Hospital, the night that our first child, Zachary, was born. A poster reading, the decision to have a child is to decide that your heart will forever walk outside of your body. Mary treasured all these things in her heart and how. And that too is part of the winter solstice longing and hope. No word about Joseph's reaction. Maybe he had dozed off, as new parents sometimes do, get precious little sleep, or rocked himself and the child to sleep, tossing and turning, worried about how he was going to provide, not just for himself, but for a wife and a child. Would he live long enough to see the child grow into the fullness of his name. Lastly, the time-bound nature of our winter solstice reminds us that we are creatures of time, and we live and move and have our being within the rhythm of our planet's annual trip around the sun, and the shortening followed by the lengthening of days and the journeying through the seasons of the year. There's nothing much that we can do other than accept that time, engage the time with whatever hope or blessing it offers. And in measure large and in measure small, somehow find the courage and the grace and the wherewithal to mark the passage of time with whatever rituals and celebrations are part of our shared tradition. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given to the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Wherever and however winter solstice 2022 or Christmas Eve or Christmas one or the commemoration of the naming of Jesus finds us. And some of us here are settled, 
We're riding the waves of intensity, buffeted by the changes and chances that life throws our way. Others of us, not so much. Even so, the blessing of the longest night, understood and amplified by a baby's birth, does not take the shadows or the fears away, but knows its hidden roads, knows the resting spots along the path, and those will be needed, knows what it means to travel in the company of a friend, trusting that any direction we go, we are somehow decidedly, indeed, walking toward the dawn. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, If you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.